they always told me like walk walk around with your head up with your chin up like that mm-hmm. and i would always do that constantly and another thing was like always uh that seems so weird because that means i feel like you're exposing your neck a lot yeah well it wasn't high it was just keep it like keep it even oh. not like that just even okay make sure like just not looking at the ground oh like you don't look that. like weak or meek kind yeah of. yeah gotcha, gotcha. there was that like gang stuff and then it was also like always look domineering so it's like like i need i need this this is just Save natural yes so it was this and always like spread out like put your hand up like this always like look bigger than you know what you actually are is this like the the, tr- the the advice they give you for dealing with like a bear or a wild animal oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's like puff out your chest make sprawl out make yourself look bigger <laughs> yeah. like a turkey like with the feathers spread out <laughs> that's funny i like that although i feel yeah like i was saying like if you like lift your head i feel like you're exposing your jugular like that seems like that seems like it would go against conventional sense well if you're out there and or like for like boxing advice like you don't want to expose your chin too much you know no but if you're if you're out there like in los angeles when i grew up whatever that makes more sense because you see the problem coming at you Mm -hmm. you know instead of like having your fucking face at the ground okay you're not looking at your surroundings yeah yeah that's like my my uncle hector he um whenever we go out to eat with him he likes to always be in a corner and he likes to have his his face or like you know his eyes looking towards the entrance yeah i always i always do that constantly you do that yeah i know i i go into a place and i figure out who exactly is there never have my backs to my back to like the door yeah where and somebody he, could just walk and i'm like who the fuck is this and you he's know? a very hyper aware of like where the exits are too exactly that's yeah. the other thing are we recording yeah we are okay yeah there's other things that they they tell you it's like uh my friend told me uh, when I first started driving, he told me like, "Hey, never park closer than a whole car." Closer you, than a whole car? Yeah, like when you get when you're driving, you you park at a at a light, uh-huh. and there's somebody ahead of you. Like, never always have like at least a space of of, of a whole car in front of you to give yourself that wiggle room. Yeah, because if somebody starts shooting at us, we got to make sure we can drive off around to the or... side. Oh. And also, there there was also, I think that's also just conventional driving, like knowledge no the lady people like you well, know they never said like my parents never said like yeah just in case they're shooting no but the whole like you should be able to see the bottom of the tires of the car ahead of you like in terms of like when you're driving like not to be too close that was probably more of a safety thing so yeah so you can have time to break yeah but us it was like so you can get the fuck out quick yeah there was also things like uh you know how we always get down low on the car the idea with that was if somebody does shoot at you you're you you have enough time to like duck your head behind the door at the very least Mm. that's why we would like put the seat down real low slouch to the back not as safe driving but if you don't know what's going on on the sides like driving is like the least of your worries at that point yeah it's all shooting at you that makes sense that makes sense how did we get into this i forgot there was something um what was i asked was that my uncle no before that oh because you were, like, lifting your neck for some reason. Oh, yeah. I was telling you about growing up in L.A. Yeah. I, I was going to mention this thing because uh, it happened to me yesterday. It, it's been happening to me happening to me a lot. But it happened yesterday where I was at McDonald's getting breakfast. Because I, I get up early for work, but I don't have time to cook. And I get tired of, like, microwave breakfasts. Mm-hmm. So I go to McDonald's. I ask for the, the number eight, which is, like, the two sausage McMuffins with a hash brown and, like, a coffee, right? And... Every time I don't check or I don't ask, 
I'll drive away, and then I get to the bag. I open the food on the way, and there's a hash brown, but there's no ketchup, Johnny. There's no ketchup. I always have to ask for ketchup, and it's like, like, am I supposed to eat this hash brown like just dry and plain? I'm like, and so when I every now and then when I do ask them, I get like this. I get the amount of ketchup varies like dramatically from like how many do you when they ask how many do you want? I'm like, I have one hash brown. I just need one ketchup. But sometimes they don't ask me. And they'll give me, like, a, a handful for, like, an entire family of 12. And I'm like, why do they give you so much? Sometimes they give you not enough, not at all, or, like, way, way too much. And so, like, I was I was wondering if um, when you when you get, like, fast food or they have, like, you know, you want condiments and stuff. Like, what do you think is the right amount of condiments to ask for? Like, do you get exactly what you need, you think? Like, one packet? Or do you ask for, like, a lot? And then you just, like... You know, because sometimes they're, like, they're, like, stingy. And it's, like... I remember this comment someone made where, like... Like, where someone got, like, one pack and it's, like... Girl, it's, like, girl, like... They're not... I know they're not paying you that much to be that stingy with the, with the ketchup. Like, like what's a, what's a good amount for someone to say, like, I have fries. Give me an appropriate amount of ketchup for those fries. Well, one pride on my thing is fine. Just one? One... Yeah, one ketchup, one hash brown. That, that seems fine. What one about burger, for fries? one packet of for fries. Yeah, I think one. Really? I think like one for fries. One's not enough because it doesn't penetrate to the lower layers of the fries. You know? I agree with you, but if they just give you one, I'm not going to complain about it. If you say, "Can I get some ketchup?" and they just give you one, that's fine. Because I think, "Can I get some?" I'll say, "Can I get some ketchup?" And I'm thinking in my head, "Some is like three, maybe four. No, a lot of people take some as just like, just give me one. Okay. Yeah. Unless I say, hey, can I get like a fistful of this? One more question. One more question. If, let's say you're at a, like a barbecue or a hangout or a cookout or something. If someone asks you, hey, Johnny, do you want, like they're cooking, right? Like, hey, do you want a burger? Do you expect that burger to just have cheese by default? Or do you expect them to ask you, do you want a cheeseburger? Because I hear like, hey, do you want a burger? I'm like, I shouldn't have to say, you know. Do you expect che- cheese? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. There's people that are lactose, right? Like I have um, my stepdad. He's I think he's a lactose. So I have to ask him, like, hey, do you want cheese on this? Okay. And I have to ask them. Okay. A, a yeah. Certain, certain time of day, it's like they can't have a uh, meat in at night, but they can have it in the morning. So I got to be specific with uh, with what I ask them. I, I ask them all the time. Like if I say, hey, I'm I'm gonna make a burger. I'm I have to ask them, like, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? Instead of just like throwing at the whole thing at it you know okay so okay for uh, in this scenario you're like at a family gathering maybe you're with friends a co-worker it could be anybody you're gonna go go do a quick burger run right yeah yes has anybody want anything they say hey give me a burger are you good at the drive they're gonna make sure that the burger doesn't have cheese or you assume like no they probably just mean in general a cheeseburger for fast food yeah but you're looking at the menu you see what it comes with yeah yeah, yeah. but no someone you're gonna do the run Someone there at the place you're leaving is telling you, hey, give me a burger like while you're over there. Okay. Are you going to assume that by default they mean a cheeseburger or you think they're going to, or do you just assume like, oh, they really don't want cheese on it. Otherwise I would say cheeseburger. In that situation, what I would do is if they just said a burger, I'm going to get a burger for myself and a burger for them, but they're going to be two different burgers. Uh So when I get to the house, I'm like, I already chose two burgers I like. They just got to pick one of these. So you will. So if you like cheese, you will sacri- sacrifice your cheese for someone else. 
well, I chose the burgers that I like. Right, right. So regardless, whichever I have, it doesn't matter what they choose because I'm the one that chose it. I think it's, in my case, I think it's assumed by default that, yeah, you're going to have cheese on the burger. Like, I, I feel like that kind of goes without saying, but I know some people are, like, very hyper, like, specific. You sound like a cheese aficionado right now. I love cheese. So you assume everything should have cheese. Uh, well, to... What what's reasonable to have cheese like a cheeseburger? A burger should I think has cheese by default. You know what I mean? Now there are some burgers that don't have cheese by default. Like if you go to, um, uh, I think oh Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. has the I don't forget I don't remember if it's the famous star or the superstar, but one of them does not have cheese. Mm-hmm. They actually charge you to add and like twenty cents or something to add cheese to it. So there are exceptions where. Not everywhere has cheese. I think if you go to McDonald's, everything has cheese by default. Every sandwich, every burger has cheese. Okay, so there's some people. I love cheese too, right? Yeah. But there's some people that are aficionados about their cheese. Well, actually, uh, just the way that you feel about that, some people feel about that with mustard. And I can't stand fucking mustard. Oh, okay. So why sure. should they assume like do you mean every for, fucking burger should have mustard? Do you mean mustard? for a hot dog then? or uh, Anything. Oh, okay. So it's like, should they assume that my burger should have mustard? I think that's different, though, because usually people will tell... Because a hot dog is just plain until you add stuff to it, right? I feel like a burger comes complete. You can't go... There's no, like, station after where you go, you add lettuce, you add tomato separately, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of just self-contained. Yeah, they got rid of those. Yeah, hot dogs... Like, I, if I go to the AMPM or if I go... Even to the theater. I went to the theater to watch The Little Mermaid the other day, and my girlfriend and I each got a hot dog, and they were like... Hey, like, where are the toppings? And we're like, oh, they're over there on the side. So we had to go get the, I had to get the mayonnaise packets. I had to get the ketchup packets, the relish packets, the mustard packets. Like, it comes plain and you kind of build it from there. But you don't see burger places having you build your burger on the side. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that kind of works differently. That's a good point. Why don't they have that? Like, uh, what is it called? The the place that makes burritos? The place that makes burritos? Yeah, and you could pick your... Chipotle? Own. Chipotle. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't even... Is there a burger place that's like Chipotle? Not really. I don't think so. Right. Well, I think people it. would abuse that. Kind of like how it's Subway, because they don't charge you for toppings. People just like put everything on there. Well, you charge for everything. And you just go, and then you tell them exactly what you want. Everything is a la carte. Or like, have you been to that one place where they have the frozen yogurt where like they, they weigh it, and that's how they price I it? I don't like those. Those are like water-based. I like... I like my ice cream. Like all the ingredients are super heavy on purpose or what do you mean? No, everything tastes the same. Oh, It feels like you're putting all your special, like the gummy bears and the Oreos, everything. I don't bother with that. It just feels like you're dumping it in water. Oh, you're saying the ice cream base. The ice cream base, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everything, every type of ice cream, whether it's vanilla or chocolate, it's just like, oh, it just tastes like water. It is watery. You're right. It's not milk or creamy. It's it's weird, but... um, Anyways, Johnny, this isn't the food podcast. This isn't the uh, driving mechanics or the uh, how to raise your chin public podcast. This is the Duo Sense podcast, where every week we talk about video games, what we've been playing, video game news. And as always, I'm your host, Andrew Orozco, joined by the Badger of the High Desert, the self-proclaimed lost cause, because he's always down for the cause, never down for the count, the unnecessary one, the truth, Johnny. Hey. All right. Such a long intro. Are you talking about because of the stuff we talked about or because of your intro specifically? Both. Oh, okay. That's fair. Uh, so we we have... should have more uh, more food podcasts. Who the fuck doesn't like food, bro? I think there's a couple food podcasts. I've who heard of like, some. I've had enough talk about food. Like, who says that shit? 
I don't know. I don't. Well, I don't know if I want to listen to people just talk about food because that's gonna make me hungry. Like that literally happened today earlier. I, I was late coming over because we went uh, we went preaching in the morning, and then somebody one of the people I was preaching with would start talking about seafood, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, you're talking about like mojadas, which is like a, it's a, I think it's. Is that red snapper or is that trout? I forget which one, but mojada is like a, it's a fish that's basically cut, cleaved in half. And then like you grill it face down. Yeah. Like you fry it. Oh, it's so delicious. But they started talking about that. I started talking about like squid. They started talking about like scallops. And I'm like, as soon as we finished, I went to Del Taco and I got fish tacos. Cause I'm like, I need fish tacos right now. Hmm. So if I had, if it was a podcast that just talked about food, I'm sure there is, but if I listened to one, like that would just destroy my wallet because I would always be hungry con- consistently. Fish tacos? Fish tacos. And yeah. cheese? No, you don't put cheese on fish. Unless, unless you get the filet of fish at McDonald's, which has like half a cheese strip for some reason. They're like, it's weird. No, yeah. My girlfriend complained once. She, we were at McDonald's and she got the filet of fish. And she boy. opened it and she saw there's like half of a cheese, like a craft, the yellow craft cheese. Yeah. The single, the craft singles. There's half of one, like just like cut down the middle. She goes up to the register. She's like, hey, like they only give me half a cheese. They're like, oh yeah, that's like the way it comes. And she was, she kind of just like looked at them for a second. And then she realized that she was staring for too long. And she's like, okay. And she walked away. <laughs> and she's like, why would they put half a cheese? I'm like, I don't know. Like, Why are you guys still eating that kind of fast food? Like, I hate eating fast food. Because it's cheap, it's convenient, and it's tasty. Those Ooh, three yeah, main okay. reasons. It's convenient. It's not that tasty. Like, when you're making food at home. You never had a filet fish Johnny? With the tartar sauce? I don't like it. Oh. And then, like that very like fluffy like bread they use the very fluffy kind of plasticky fluffy bread plasticky bread because it's appetizing because it, you push into it's like spongy that's you push into it and then, like it reforms back to the shape it was. No, oh, that's good. Anything with McDonald's, okay. What nuggets. about a big okay nuggets? I'll take nuggets. What about the Big Mac? No, you you you're gonna sit there and say no to a Big Mac. I can make a better burger. Can you make a better Big Mac? Yes, I doubt that. I can make. Anything that's fast food, I can do better with the exception of fried chicken. Who has the best fried chicken? It's going to be Church's, Popeye's. All right, good, good. Popeye's. KFC. They're, mm, all, they're all pretty damn good. But KFC. It, po- okay, KFC, you can get the fuck out. It comes down to Church's and Popeye's. I don't. Both great. You're forgetting some of the obvious contenders. You're missing Chick-fil-A. You're missing Cane's. Raising Cane's. Are you at Raising Cane's? No. Oh. I don't know what was in Cali. It is. There's one down in Hesperia. We're going to have to go, not today, but we're going to have to go another day. It's delicious. So Raisin canes? It's very crunchy on the outside, very crispy. Kind of like like, like they do with like baking soda or something where it has like that nice crisp. Yeah, yeah. And the inside's like juicy. Like That's gl- what I'm looking for. There. It's like sealed in. Like the juiciness crisp, is like sealed yeah. in. Oh, it's so good. All right. All right. I'm getting hungry now. You see? That's why we can't talk about we food. We just had pizza. I don't care. I had half a pizza. You had the other half. Yeah, it was a thin pizza. It was a thin pizza. That's true. So we can't talk about food. Anyways. <laughs> let's get back to let's get back on topic shall we all right we got three stories for this week well now i'm starting to think maybe we should do a side podcast where we just talk about food anyways we have three stories for this week johnny first one comes from gaming bible which is a source we don't use that often but they're pretty good they're pretty good they're pretty reliable uh it says xbox activision considering pulling games out of uk to close acquisition and this article is written by sam collie collie Xbox and Activision are entering another month of conflict to close their acquisition deal, and they're reportedly considering all possibilities to make it happen. While the road leading to the deal's closure has had a few bumps in it, 
Xbox and Activision have persevered with the journey's end in sight, as long as they can overcome the UK. The deal has faced severe opposition by the UK Competition and Markets Authority, or the CMA, who believe the deal would hurt competition in the cloud gaming market. A veto from the UK could be incredibly detrimental to the deal's closure, and there are now reports that Xbox and Activision are considering drastic action to ensure the deal goes through, including removing games from the UK markets. This news comes from a Twitter post by PostUpSog, who shared some of the conversations currently taking place behind the scenes. One of the options listed reads, quote, Activision exiting the UK for another European country in a bid to remove itself from the CMA's jurisdiction. Its games could continue to be sold via a distributor. And there's like a tweet right there. Uh, it basically says the same thing. This would essentially mean Activision Blizzard would vanish from the UK market entirely as a distributor with gamers in the UK unable to purchase its games through official first party means. It's quite worrying, but shows the team's commitment to seeing this deal go through no matter what. Another option being considered is simply closing the deal regardless of the UK veto and entering a legal battle with the CMA, which could prove costly for Microsoft. Despite everything, Xbox fans are confident that the deal will happen one way or another. Without Activision games leaving the UK, believing gamers will be able to have their cake and eat it too. Quote, They'll close with the UK customer base involved, one fan said, while another added, The CMA doesn't have that kind of power, not without the courts, and they are fa failing in that respect pretty miserably. This deal will close at some point in August or earlier if Judge Smith allows it, which he will, one fan wrote. Quote, Sorry, Sony fans, if Microsoft wants something, they get it, period. Another month. Another round for the Xbox and Activision Blizzard deal, <laughs> with progressing with progressing slowly being made in a long battle of attrition. Once the deal does go through, it'll be a major win for Xbox as hundreds of existing Activision Blizzard titles can make their way onto Xbox Game Pass. And it also opens the door for more Xbox exclusives further down the road. Xbox recently bolstered their exclusive lineup when they acquired Bethesda with the major exclusive Starfield set to launch this year. That's the end of the article. So it looks like there's two options. There's one, they can close the deal anyways. And then if there's like still resistance from the CMA, then they'll, you know, hash it out in court. Or two, they just don't even try and they just don't work directly in the UK. They just, people can still, we'll have to like import the games basically to be able to play them. And I imagine that means like they won't be able to go on Microsoft's, like they won't be able to go on the, the Xbox marketplace or anything, any of that stuff. They would have to basically import whatever they want to play from outside, from Europe, the rest of Europe. So those are the two options. Johnny, what do you think? I feel like it's more likely than not that they'll probably close the deal anyways, and then just retroactively fight the CMA. And if things get really bad, then they just like dip out of the country. What do you think? Well, if there's if I'm in the UK and there's a potential that Xbox is just gonna abandon them, kind of makes it, you want to work with them a little bit closer, right? Or like, because you're basically being blackmailed is essentially what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would resist to that to being fucking blackmailed, obviously. Okay. But as a consumer from the UK, I'd be like, you know what? Maybe Xbox doesn't have a future in the UK. So why the fuck would I buy an Xbox right now? Oh, just, it's okay. it's a little more guarantee that Nintendo or Sony would have a console in the UK, so why not just buy one of their consoles? 
But if you're already an existing Xbox owner, well, what's your mentality if you already have? It's the same thing because you can't buy it from the PlayStation, from the Xbox store, right? Mm-hmm. So either way, it's like, why would I buy a console with the potential that they might not even have support there? No, I'm saying if you were already if you already had an Xbox and you lived in the UK, maybe I could see it going the other way where maybe you feel pressure to write to the CMA and be like, let this go through or something. You no, know? like it's kind of like you're cornered. So like you have fight or flight. Those are your two options, right? Flight would be not getting an Xbox at all and just like abandoning it. Fight would be like, let me pressure the authorities or pressure the the governing bodies that represent me to accept this acquisition, right? I don't know that your Xbox casual gamer is paying attention to this story. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But I think there is a... Because, I mean, our our podcast isn't really for the casual person, right? It's really more yeah. for the, the enthusiast, right? The, the specialized enthusiast who's into this kind of stuff. I think it represents a small portion of the total gaming landscape. Yeah. But I also think... If you think about how the internet works, it's always the the smallest group that's the most vocal, right? So I think, yeah, is that small? I think it's gonna come down to that group to kind of pressure, or I don't know if they have any. I don't know if they have any leverage against the CMA in their own country. Well, but. well, I mean, like gaming is it's not a niche, right? Obviously, it's it's major, right? But you can start like makes uh, more money than you can start cutting it in pieces. There's like the whole game compartmentalize. Yeah. And then you scale that down to Xbox. And then once you scale that down, you have to scale it down to this region in the UK. Sure. So like that, the number of gamers that are out there that aren't even listening to that story. is like, how many are there? So you're going through like a strainer and a strainer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. I don't know what the demographics are in the UK. I think in the UK, they favor, I think PlayStation has a stronger they do. footing than Xbox does. Yeah. I think the rest of Europe, it might be the other way, but I don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, I think... I don't know how much it would cost... Okay, so here's the thing, right? Because Blizzard and Activision and Microsoft are, are willing to just kind of um, cut the cord and just you know not deal with them directly. But you have to imagine for them to do that the Activision Blizzard deal has to somehow be worth more than that market they would be potentially losing, right? Yeah, good point. So I don't know. I, I have no idea on their financials. Uh, it reminds me of this like Bible quote about where like if, you're, if your leg or your limb is causing you issue, like cut it off. Mm-hmm. It's better for you to be without a limb than for the rest of your body to rot because of the limb, right? So it's kind of like they're kind of using this kind, same kind of thinking or this kind of mentality where it's like, we want this deal to go through. If you're going to fight for us and like everybody else is okay and you're not okay with it, then we're just going to cut you out. I think that seems... It, it sounds very drastic, but this deal is also unprecedented. This is like one of the biggest, if not the biggest acquisitions in the industry, in the medium. So if it's so important, they're like, screw it. Like we just want to get to the finish line no matter what. They might, they might just cut them out. And I think the issue for UK Xbox gamers... In that case, will be you, digital is not going to be the future for you. In that case, you're going to have to physically import games from the outside, from yeah. your from the mainland, from France, Germany, the U.S., whatever it is, and that's going to be a hassle because that means you're always going to be like a couple weeks behind. It'll cost more. It's going to cost you more in, in tariffs and fees and like import taxes and all that. And I, I can't imagine, especially this being public. I think if I think if I was an Xbox gamer, I would feel very slighted, like almost abandoned in a way. 
And I think you're right. I think that would be an issue. So what it ultimately comes down to is how much of the market are they willing to sacrifice to make this thing go through? And it must be, I'm guessing the UK is not that sizable then if they're kind of open about like, well, we're just going to move on without you. Then maybe the UK contingent of Xbox gamers isn't that much. Yeah, they're saying like there's not there's not much uh, money that we can pull from that area. So, also kind of makes you wonder what exactly are their massive plans for Blizzard, Acti- Blizzard Activision, <laughs> Blizzard, Blizzard Activision. That's like this must go through no matter what, desperately. Well, let's take a Call of Duty, right? Sure. If they're saying like, hey, yeah, we're gonna pull out of this of this uh, area, it's not a fucking problem because. If they're saying that Call of Duty is still going to be on PlayStation, well, if those UK players still have a PlayStation, they can play Call of Duty. Mm. And there are some people who only play Call of Duty. Like, there's yeah. gamers who only play, like, Fortnite or only play Call of Duty or only play a specific family of games but anyways. that's if they keep it on the PlayStation. Yeah. And on Nintendo. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. I, don't, I, I really don't know where what to make of this so much. I think... Uh, I think it would be in their best interest if the CMA just buckled in and gave in to what's clearly blackmail. Or not blackmail, I think extortion. Blackmail is like when you have something on somebody, I think, and you don't want it to come out. This is more like extortion, I think, which is... But I think extortion has to do with, like, subtracting money. Yeah, kind of. I don't know if it's the same thing. It's like not giving them money instead of taking money. Oh, you're right, you're right. What would you call this then? Isn't blackmail like when you're like threatening to release information about something? Yeah. I don't know. Clearly, it's some kind of shady negotiation tactic. Yeah. So let's see how that turns out for them in the future. I'm hoping... I mean, I want more people to play video games across all regions, across all genres, across everything. So I hope I hope the CMA kind of, you know, gets off its uh, soapbox. So at the moment, you think uh, they should just go ahead with the deal? I think so. And then deal with the legal issues later later down the line. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. So, like, they should just make the deal happen. I just don't want fucking Tencent to get it, their hands on it. That's, yeah, that's like, you're, play, you're like playing, I, like, chess, like, yeah, too. Chess. Like, yeah, Like we've said, we don't want anybody making more purchases. But if anybody's going to purchase it, let it not be Tencent. It's like when the military, like, pulls out of a region... And it's like uh, better, yeah. better to better to like destroy your bases, even if it costs more money, than to just leave them abandoned, leave all the hardware there. Yep. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that mentality, that kind of like the sunken ship kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. So, I agree. Uh, let's move on to our next story, shall we, Johnny? This one comes from VGC Video Games Chronicle, written by Tom Ivan. A very easy name to remember. It says Redfall devs reportedly hoped it would be canceled or rebooted by Microsoft. A new report claims to shed light on the circumstances that resulted in Redfall's disappointing release last month. Following several delays, the first major Xbox exclusive from Bethesda released with a number of technical issues and generally reviewed poorly, garnering aggregate scores of 56 and 54 on Metacritic. So 56 is for the Xbox, 54 for PC. Redfall is a multiplayer looter shooter, a genre that's new to creator Arcane Studios, which is best known for its critically acclaimed single-player immersive sims like Dishonored and Prey. And uh, it isn't mentioned here, but also the Deathloop. According to a new Bloomberg report, the game's development was hampered by a lack of clear direction, a high turnover of staff, and insignificant resources for what was billed as a AAA game. 
The report, which is based on the accounts of over a dozen anonymous sources who worked on the title, said the project started development in 2018 after being pitched to staff as a multiplayer arcane game. Some members, reportedly, found the pitch confusing and felt unsure what the sort of gameplay Arcane was known for would translate well to a co-op setting. The game reportedly suffered because its development team was continually understaffed, with Arcane Austin's office employing fewer than 100 people and insufficient outsourcing support offered by Bethesda. Many experienced developers who weren't interested in making a multiplayer game reportedly left the studio, with almost three-quarters of the Austin staff who had worked on 2017's Prey said to have departed Arcane by the time Redfall was finished. Arcane is said to have experienced difficulties filling vacancies with lower-than-average salaries, its Texas location, and the desire of prospective employees to work on single-player immersive sims viewed as contributing factors. When development of the game started, Bethesda's then-parent company, Zenimax, was reportedly pushing its studios to develop live-service titles. And according to Bloomberg, Redfall had a significant microtransaction plan in place for three years before it was scrapped in 2021. Thank God for that. That same year, Microsoft acquired Zenimax in a $7.5 billion deal, and some Arcane staff reportedly hoped that Xbox Maker hoped the Xbox Maker might cancel Redfall or reboot it as a single-player game. However, Microsoft took something of a hands-off approach to Bethesda's game development studios, as Xbox boss Phil Spencer acknowledged in a recent Kinda Funny Games interview. We didn't do a good job early on in engaging Arcane Austin to really help them understand what it meant to be part of Xbox and part of First Party, and use some of our internal resources to help them move along that journey even faster, he said. We left them to work on the game. They're a very talented team. I love that team, and I still do, and I will totally bet on them to do another great game. But when Xbox Game Studios head Matt Booty and ZeniMax president Jamie Letter sit down, I think we can engage earlier with our different studios. And I do think there's a difference when we come in when the creative is already set on a game. That And that's not washing our hands. Every game we ship from our teams is an Xbox game, so we take full responsibility for it. Spencer said he believed the platform holder did a better job with Bethesda's other 2023 release the upcoming sci-fi RPG Starfield in terms of assisting development because the game was earlier in production when Xbox acquired it. We should have been there for Redfall, uh, co-creative director Harvey Smith and the team earlier. I think that's on us, he continued. And then through the process, it's an Unreal Engine game. We have a bunch of studios that have done some really great work on Unreal over the years, and I think we were too late to help in that when they had certain issues. That's the end of the article. So... It sounds like no one really wanted to do this game. None of the developers, uh, people left the team because they didn't want to do it. People who heard about the game didn't want to help. Uh, miscommunication from the parent company that just acquired them, kind of like, oh, you guys are working on this thing. It seems like you're really, you're so, you've already come a long way through it. Like we're not going to, you know, mess. Or, we don't want too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing. So we're just going to let you handle it. We trust you. And we saw the result of that thinking, Johnny. So uh, what do you think about this, Johnny? I, I think it's true. I think uh, going from something you know you do very well to something that's unfamiliar territory, I don't... How is it unfamiliar, though? Because it's a completely different type of game. They don't, they've never done a multiplayer shooter. They've done stealth-based single-player games. 
It's like we saw what happened. Like when they did Metal Gear Solid, the single player stealth game, and then try to do the Metal Gear Survive, that weird online multiplayer. Metal Survive came out like two years later, though. Didn't it? It came out 2018, 17, around there? 18, I think. Oh, it was an 18. I think and that game, like, is focused entirely on online, like a live service game. And no one likes that game. Nobody likes that game. No. I, it also just, happened after Kojima left too, so that's another thing. I'm just wondering if that game wasn't successful because it was like pushed so quickly after Kojima. And then it spent time with it and let it bake. Maybe. This this right here. So that's the thing, it was multiplayer online. It was a Fortnite pretty much. Mm, a looter shooter. Instead of Oh yeah, Fortnite's a battle royale, but um It's a looter, a looter shooter, so more like Borderlands. So imagine somebody making something like Borderlands when, like, they primarily made, like, Splinter Cell and Metal Gear Solid before that. Like, it's a very completely different set of, like, philosophy when it comes to how you make a game like that. I I guess. I, I don't know why they couldn't, why they weren't able to, like, really put it off, pull it off as talented as they are. Because it's but not, actually, that's not their wheelhouse. It's like that old adage, if you think of fishes, what's the one? If you ask a fish to climb a tree kind of thing, that mentality. Yeah, but it wasn't a fish climbing a tree. Uh, that's a little, that's pushing it right there. Well, you know what I mean? If you're good at I, one thing. I and, get you because uh, The Last of Us is having problems with their uh, uh, factions. Right? Oh, yeah, that's That game right. is really faltering. We I don't forgot know if that about game, that. We don't know if that game is going to be end up being canceled. Or if they're going to scale it down or what. But it's not the, the factions that they envisioned. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, I don't know, dude. You're looking up uh, factions? Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me. I forgot about that story. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's there's a lot of things that went wrong with this game, first of all. It was the... The, the shift in terms of, like, the changing of hands of, like, who... of them being acquired by Microsoft. It sounds like about midway through development, right? It started in 2018 and kind of shaking up the studio, people leaving, like running a skeleton crew at the studio and nobody really feeling this game and kind of like committed to it. Like, and then them hoping like, Oh, okay. Now that we're under Microsoft, things will be better. Cause like, they'll probably look at this, realize it's crap and like reboot it or scrap it. And like, nah, we're going to let you do your own thing. We trust you. You started this game. Like we trust that you have, you see something here and it's kind of like, Oh, yeah, man. but they said themselves that they didn't see, right? Yeah. Okay, what's what's weird is because you know Sony has people going out to their studios and actually play testing the game, sure, and saying like, you know what, this is trash. This needs more time in the oven. I don't think they say that, but <laughs> hey, this is yeah, trash. But to get I... to the point, that's what they do, right? They tell you if your game is fun or not. Sure. And how did this get past Xbox? Like, how did they? Because just... they had a hands-off approach, Johnny. As... I just don't believe that they would just let them do their own fucking thing and not have somebody go out there and be like, hey, this is a legit fun game. How do you just say, like, yeah, just do your thing? I don't know, because it's like, uh, imagine, okay, think about Kojima, right? Like, Kojima has said that a lot of people, a lot of studios have offered to buy him out, to buy Kojima Productions. Yeah. And he's kind of like, I don't, like... And they've told him too. A lot of them said, like, like we won't interfere with your creative process. We know that's like your main thing. Like, we're not going to get. We just want to have you under our brother. We need your resources, but of course, they also want the money that he would bring in, right? So I think it's a similar situation where it's like we don't want to mess with the magic of because even though that's not for you, like Prey 
Dishonored, like those games are very well regarded, well received games. So if you're buying someone who's known for doing something very well, you don't want to get in there and mess with the process, which like, you know, when you, for example, when I drive by anywhere and I see a restaurant and it says under new management, that sets off like a, a warning in my head. It's like, it's probably not going to be as good as the place used to be because there's a good chance that they're going to mess around and do their own things. But I think with video games, you really don't want to do that. You don't want to mess up with too much of like the creativity of the studio, right? So you kind of just like, like, hey, you produce bangers. The trend seems to be bangers. Like we're not going to get stepped in. We're just going to let you do your thing. But this was a situation where internally they already decided they're going to do something else. And they kind of just set themselves up for failure with that. And Xbox didn't catch on to that. Xbox was like, we so trust you. So they didn't. That's cool. So they trust them. Mm-hmm. But the team themselves were like, this this isn't it. This ain't going to work. Yeah. And they didn't communicate that with Xbox. And Xbox didn't say it's, like, like hey, said, are you guys okay? Like, are you guys going to, what do you think about this game? Is it working out? Well, we just read that some people were like, hopefully, oh, maybe Xbox will fix this. And they're like, you guys are doing good. It's, it's a failure of communication on both sides, I think. Them telling them like not them not speaking up, saying like, "Hey, like we think maybe we should do something else," and then being like, "No, no, they're good, they're good." It's it's like I don't know. It's like you like you're a lifeguard and you're like not really watching the kids and the kids are drowning. And so, what happened to Halo? Too? I don't know. I don't know. That's a difference. That's no, because that's internally that's at Xbox. That's not like they were acquired. So, but it was a, a issue with communication or. I don't know. I think there was like delays. I'm just, I'm just wondering. That like, was closer to the COVID period too. I'm so. just wondering how often is this going to happen with Xbox? I'm sticking in. I'm telling you, Johnny, it cannot, will not happen with Starfield. They, they cannot. You know afford, where I was going. They cannot afford it. They can't afford it. How do you feel if I Starfield feel, just if Starfield, like If Starfield flops or just fails entirely, I don't think... There's any coming back from that. I don't know what that would look like in terms of like sales or legally or what that would look like. But I feel the consumer base, like, I think they probably just abandon. I can't imagine many Xbox like diehards who would still be defending the system after. I don't think they would defend it. So I was going to say like, well, they still got, they still got Call of Duty, but it's like. Do they though? Because we have to wait to see how that, how that turns out. (laughs) Yeah. But, but like with this studio right here. They were like, "Oh, we tr- we trust you, whatever." Are they gonna do that with Call of Duty and just say like, "Oh, yeah"? Just they might the just have to take another L for another generation if that happens. And you just, I don't know. You have to imagine we're what uh, three years removed from the launch. I imagine that all three of the big guys, Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, they're already brewing like plans for next gen already. Yeah, because they do that about a little less than halfway through each console. I think what was it. PS5 started planning like in 2015, 2016, which was like two, three years after the PS4. Like they were already thinking like hardware, like what they're going to do. So you have to imagine if they continue this slump of just not delivering bangers, they, Microsoft can withstand it because they have, they're part of a bigger company. They can afford, they can withstand, they can hunker down and shelter, you know, withstand the storm. But they might just, I don't know. They might focus their efforts on late late gen or even next gen, I think. It's possible. They might just kind of be like, okay, well, that didn't work out. But it, you know what? Everyone loves Gears of War. Everyone loves Halo still, technically. Like, we might just, you know, try to bring up our, recoup our, you know, lick our wounds and just try again with something better in a couple years. And just, you know, kind of like phone in this year, phone well, in. They still got to deliver the games he promised. They still got to deliver on Fable and Stalker 
and whatever Rare is working on. Which we will find out later this month. In about a week, right? Oh, yeah. June 11th, right? Yeah. That's... Today's the third... Yeah, a little over a week. So that's next Sunday? And that doesn't sound right. So they have to deliver. Like, they really have to deliver with Starfield. And if that, like, does okay... it's It's got to really fucking hit. That can't just do all right. And yeah, then after it that, has to be, like, a 75 or better. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, they still got to deliver with Fable and Stalker. Stalker's probably going to come. And then Fable, Perfect it's like, Dark. when is that going to drop? Perfect Dark probably won't drop for, like, four years at least. Uh, um, It'll drop at the end of the generation. Uh, Senua? Senua? Senua might drop in two years, I think. That game is... Oh but God, that was overdue. really early in development, too. I think it was overdue. So, like, fuck Xbox. Like, <laughs> deliver something. All right. Good luck to that. Good luck to them. Good luck to them. All right, John, let's move on to our next story. This one comes from PlayStation Lifestyle, uh, written by Zarminicon, which I know I've said that name before because it kind of just rolls off my tongue. Zarminicon sounds cool. It says PlayStation Showcase announcements and trailers were reportedly withheld. I don't know if I buy this, but I wouldn't read it anyways. Say it again. PlayStation Showcase announcements and trailers were reportedly withheld. Okay. From the showcase, it's implied. Two reliable insiders have suggested that Sony may have withheld some announcements from May 23rd's PlayStation Showcase. Much has been written about fans' disappointment as well as Sony's first-party showings being in the doldrums. But apparently, the company had some trailers and announcements ready that were surprisingly missing from Wednesday's event. Insider Gaming's Tom Henderson claims to have seen trailers and stuff that he was expecting at this month's event, so their absence came as a big surprise to him. Sorry, my voice cracked for some reason. So the absence came out as a big surprise to him. It's understood that a lot of the games we're waiting on seeing are pretty much ready, so I'm not sure why Sony decided to wait this time around, he wrote. Another known insider, the snitch, (laughs) who happens to have a near flawless track record, also expressed their surprise over the missing announcements. Quote, guys, I know some announcements that were not announced during the showcase. They wrote on their Discord server. It's super weird. The snitch said that one of the missing announcements was a PC port of a AAA game, which is speculated to be Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, based on a GIF they shared ahead of the showcase. Oh. Let's see. Oh, yeah. This was like two weeks. It says May 23rd, 24th. And that was before we found out about Ratchet and Clank being a PC port, which was like a couple of days after that. Bizarre, if true, here's hoping Sony has another event planned in the near future, which we know they kind of do. They have that thing, Summer Games Fest appearance. So, um, Johnny, what do you think about this? Because I, when you first said, like, oh, like, they're just holding back, that's not like copium to me at first. Yeah, yeah. But then seeing, like, there's two well-known sources saying, like, yeah, there was supposed to be more. I, I did tell you about those. Like, they have a good track record. Right. Do you think it's they're just, like, we want to spread out the stuff over the summer? We kind of want to have... We don't want to, you know, show our hand and then have nothing to show for the Summer's Games Fest later. Yeah, I think that's all it is. It's just they don't want to show their whole hand. And they want to see what Xbox delivers. And then after that, they're going to drop some games, right? And then they see what Xbox actually delivers. And then they hit us with another state of play. Hmm. Okay. That's it. Because Xbox isn't really doing uh, state of play type of events, right? So it's like deliver Xbox has to deliver on Summer Games Fest. It reminds me of um there was this boxing match that I probably saw about a couple years ago, like right before the pandemic. I can't I can't remember who it was who was fighting, 
but they were doing the, the ringside commentary and the coach was doing the ringside commentary and like the guy he was coaching was like taking a lot of hits and he tells the guy the guys are like 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 you know your fire's not looking so good the announcer's like your fire's not looking so good up there like what's going on he's like oh don't you worry i'm about to let him out of the cage right now and then like before like right as he says that like this guy gets knocked out oh his guy gets yeah he gets knocked out and like the announcers were kind of like letting him out of the cage huh and it was kind of like this feels kind of like that where it's like with PlayStation, where it's like, don't worry, guys, they got something to show. Just hold on, just hold on. Why does it feel like that? They've never done that. I, well, because a lot of people online are saying like, hey, like, because I've heard other people say too, like, oh yeah, like they didn't show everything. It's like, it's like, like watch, just watch. Like they're gonna drop some bangers. Just wait until like. Uh, actually, that sounds like Xbox. What? Like PlayStation delivers often. Like Xbox, it's always year after year. Like we're gonna let them out the cage. This is the year. How many times have you heard that from Xbox? all the fucking time your, your analogy applies to xbox sure okay yeah but i meant like i'm talking specifically about playstation in this case where the people no but the people the the people online the consumers are being like what like just watch just watch sure xbox does that too with like okay well, you know when you show some stuff but the whole like like hold on guys like they're gonna show during summer games fizz like you know just just hang in there kind of thing well right? you're saying the consumer but the point is that there's two guys that are credible that have a great track record sure that are actually saying this it's not the consumers with copium right because after the show other consumers were like this isn't good enough playstation i know but i'm saying the narrative around like in the days after the days after the showcase a lot of people were saying that online and it was kind of like like i don't know like and you even said like it's not copium andrew it's not copium i'm like mm, all right so I'm just saying the narrative. I'm not saying that's not going to happen or it is going to happen. I'm just saying the narrative. The current narrative until, you know, guilt, innocent until proven guilty kind of thing. Like, we're waiting to see, and then we're going to find out if that's going to happen or not. I just feel like you're applying that analogy to, like, Tyson. And Sony being Tyson. Come on, like, <laughs> Tyson's got a fucking record. It might be that day where he finally got knocked out, but I just don't think this is the year where that happens. You don't, think, you don't think Xbox is a Vander Holyfield in this case? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go on to our final story for today, Johnny. Uh, which you just literally just willed into existence about halfway through the episode right now. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Dexerto. Written by Brad Norden. It says, The Last of Us Faction standalone game, multiplayer details, concept art, and more. So this was from a couple, five, about four or five days ago. As what began as a simpler evolution of factions set to launch alongside The Last of Us Part 2 has since grown into Naughty Dog's first standalone multiplayer experience. From early gameplay details to a possible release window, here's everything we know. While traditionally viewed as a powerhouse studio in the realm of story-driven single-player titles, Naughty Dog has now confirmed its first standalone multiplayer sounds and work, having grown in ambition. Hold on. Mm, I don't know. This is more like a what we know kind of thing. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me look for the... I should have, I should have filtered by news. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, here he goes. Uh, do I want the one from IGN or Bloomberg? Johnny, choose one. Bloomberg. All right. Let me try this again. Last of Us multiplayer video game faces setbacks at Sony. This one's written by Jason Schreier, who's known for blocking many people. Ah, oh, that's right. It's Bloomberg. It's going to be paywalled. Damn you. Huh. All right. Let me go with the IGN. Inferior, but free. Let's try this again. Third time. Adam Banker says, as reported by Bloomberg, okay, so he's referring to the paid article, the quality and long-term viability of the much-anticipated The Last of Us multiplayer game has seemingly come into question. As a result, sources have claimed a 
quote, small group remains on the project while the company reevaluates the direction, end quote. Bloomberg notes the game has not been canceled at this time, but many of the developers that were working on the project have been moved to others within the company. Following Bloomberg's request for comment from Naughty Dog, the studio released a statement you can read below in the original story. In addition to apologizing that it wasn't ready to show off the Last of Us multiplayer game, as the project needs a bit more time, Naughty Dog also confirmed it is hard at work at a, quote, brand new single player experience, end quote. Naughty Dog took to Twitter to share the update with its fans, as many were expecting the Last of Us multiplayer game to make an appearance at the latest PlayStation Showcase. However, Naughty Dog confirmed the team realized the best thing for the game is to give it more time before it is shown off to the world. Quote, We know many of you have been looking forward to hearing more about our The Last of Us multiplayer game, Naughty Dog wrote. We're incredibly proud of the job our studio has done thus far, but as development has continued, we've realized that what is best for the game is to give it more time. Our team will continue to work on the project as well as our other games in development, including a brand new single player experience. We look forward to sharing more soon. We're grateful to our fantastic community for your support. Thank you for your passion for our games. It continues to drive us, end quote. The note about the brand new single player experience is obviously an exciting one, but Naughty Dog had previously confirmed the studio had already chosen its next game, but didn't go so far as to confirm whether it was The Last of Us Part 3 or something else entirely. However, The Last of Us fans may be happy to know that there is an outline for the next chapter in The Last of Us, but it hasn't but it isn't being made yet. We still don't know a ton about The Last of Us multiplayer game, but Minati Dog did share some concept art from the project earlier this year and say that the project is shaping up to be a fresh new experience from our studio. Uh, Naughty Dog also did say we would learn more about the game this year, and this post makes no mention on the plan being changed. So there you go. So Johnny, so it seems like at this point in development, the game's kind of an afterthought, either because they're not so confident in it, or because like it's mostly done, so they're already focusing their attention to the next next thing. How do you feel when you hear it's being like reevaluated or reassessed? We kind of talked a little bit about this last week, but we didn't go into details about it. It was like an afterthought, but uh, how do you feel about the, factions? The reevaluated or assessed super fucking concerning for any studio to say that about their game. Especially after so much time. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know what the fuck they mean. They didn't expound on it. But um, I, I don't know, dude. Like, what, what do you think? You think it's... It's like maybe a year away from a presentation or I felt I'm like they mentioned in the article. I'm pretty sure we're going to see more of it this year at some point this year. Uh, depending on what we see, we'll have a better idea. If it's like a trailer or something, I think it's going to be close sooner than later. Yeah. If but, it's more concept art, then it's still like a ways out. But they said reevaluate it. What does that mean to you? Because why not just say like, oh, we're postponing it. We're postponing it. It needs more polish, period. I don't know if that means, like, if they're thinking, like, oh, originally it was going to be just a multiplayer standalone. Maybe it's going to be a multiplayer with a campaign on the side. I don't know if that's what reevaluating means. I don't know if it means uh, if they're going to change, like, the aesthetics or the art or they're going to change uh, the direction of a narrative if there is a narrative. I don't know what that means. I feel... So you're saying they might just... Get rid of chunks of the games, like, game... Uh... They, might slim it. they might slim it down. They might... 
be looking at what's the future of the game as an online like are they going to do like some kind of battle pass or do some kind of something to support the game in the long run maybe like expansions or who i have no idea what that could mean it could mean a lot of things but uh i mean naughty dog hasn't really given us reason to doubt them in the most of their existence so also i gotta say i hate these fucking apologies that these studios put out. a lot of them put them out like around the same time like naughty dog did uh who else someone else put like one right after the showcase well they put it out before or they put it out after like a buggy ass game came out like we could do better type of shit oh yeah like, like cyberpunk yeah exactly and, uh red uh, redfall and yeah it's just like a here's like a kind of like the nailing of like Martin Luther's like it's 99. Just, yes, it's fucking framed and I I can't stand it. The standard for an apology is oh my god, I just have the damn name. It reminds me of a God of War where he's like, "Don't be sorry, be better." Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. Like Kratos, you know what I mean? I I wish. Okay, so the standard for an apology of like, "Hey, we're we're delaying this game," is fucking Pragmata. That apology with the little girl was is cute. the best. It was simple. They, it was, they softened the blow with that. Yeah, one. absolutely. Yeah. Like it was adorable, so we couldn't help but being like, "Okay, we like it's cool." It's it cool. wasn't just like a, a tweet. It was like a little video, kind of like that was cute. I like. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that yeah. was like a. It was interact. Well, not interactive, but it was like a video. Yeah. Yeah. So going forward, like I want these studios if they got to tell us like, "Hey, we're postponing this game or whatever," like give us a little something, like just give us some. Give us the give art. us the voice actor as a character saying like, "Hey, like we got this exactly game. like get one of the voice actors to tell us like, "Hey, we're running into a couple issues. We'll be back around this time to give you some more updates." But they they just feel so impersonal, you know. So that's I how think I, I think like the Indian head, like they had any like please stand by, like the little fallout, like the little nuclear thing. Yeah, yeah, like, that'd be cool. Like something a little more cutie, cutesy, or kind of like cool, or something that's not just like like dear so and so. Yeah, yeah. I get you. I get you. Okay, so there's that. They mentioned the Last of Us Part Three. I just want to say there's no fucking reason to bring back Abby. Like she's just gone. Where did this come from? She <laughs> can fucking float into the ocean and never come back. She went to Catalina. Well, she doesn't have to make it to Catalina. She just <laughs> she gets fucking. It's like, it's in like the boat. that the Poochie thing from The Simpsons where they want to kill off Poochie, and he's like, "I have to go back to my planet now." And then like they play a little tiny card. Poochie got killed on his way to the planet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she gets featured in the shark video game. Like Abby's at the bottom. It's like a post-credit scene of her. Like, it's like da da. it's like jaws or something okay okay if abby is in the next one i want her i thought you're gonna say i want to riot or something no 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 if she shows up in the next one she needs to go quick like Like, uh what's his name in um gi joe 2 Channing tatum's character he like dies in the first 10 minutes of of rise of cobra not 10 not 10 minutes because he because Channing tatum didn't want to do the movie so he, he asked them to write him out. So like in the first 10 minutes of the movie, he just dies. <laughs> I say 45 minutes. 45 okay. minutes to an hour. She gets the Joel treatment. They're like, nobody knows that she's in the game. We're playing with... with uh... Is it like is it like kind of like a transition like to like, like meanwhile, like elsewhere, and, it's, you... just, and it's just her like in the ocean? <laughs> she's like rowing. She's like rowing out there and then like it just well, capsizes. She's got, she's got Lev with him. I don't want Lev to go. I like Lev. Okay. So she has to make it to the island. Lev gets away. Maybe they have like a Jack and Rose kind of moment. Like, you know, Lev, you got to live on. You got to live on. And she's like, you know, on the edge of there's no room for her. 
on the raft or whatever. I'm fine with that. And the shark comes. I'm cool with that. But let's get Liv to to land. What if she beats up the shark with her hands, Johnny? What if she does that? Oh, that's possible. <laughs> She's just so strong. She beats the she crap out of gouges it. its eyes out. You can do that. That's a real. Th- I tell you, they aim for the nose or for the eyes. Yeah. She gets a, a chokehold with her legs. <laughs> like an MMA. What is she? What is she uh, what's her name? Gina Carano. Like just doing yeah. like, our Ronda Rousey. Like. <laughs> So, anyways, get rid of Abby <laughs> in the first forty-five minutes to, to an hour, and then we can actually play as left. That'd be okay. That'd and be then, cool because I feel like that would be justice for Joel. Like they got the same treatment in the first forty-five or whatever hour of the game. Was it forty-five? No, no I felt like, like three hours maybe. Probably like two. Probably less than two. Spoiler alert. Yeah, for a three-year-old game at, at this point. There's no old. way anybody listening to this got away from the memes from the last election. for sure. Yeah. So. Get rid of her. Anyways, back to the multiplayer. I don't know what kind of scope they had where it's like, no, nah, we're, we're, we're not going to be able to execute on this. How cool would it be if it was something kind of like like the division where it's like open and that's like what team, I, that's team what I up? That's what I thought it was. I thought Factions was going to be like Team Deathmatch or something. No, no. No? Well, the original, yeah. But yeah. when they said they expanded the scope of this, I'm like, okay, it's going to be something between like... A Fortnite with a multi with a battle pass. Yeah, it's gonna be open city. The division or something. You're gonna have. Uh, you're gonna squat up with your. Because the division has a lot of like Last of Us mechanics with like stealth behind cars and stuff, and like scanning for your enemies and like, wait, like trying to pick them off one by one rather than fight them all at the same time. There's want... stuff there. Okay, this is what I want from the multiplayer. Let's just make it up. Uh, you gotta have four players. You're all looking for resources. As you look for resources, you're creating this base create the base then you got to uh capture the region and capturing the region it's you keep the other factions and the other factions are like other squads of four or whatever right or you could pick a you pick firefly you pick a the militia or you pick other other factions right mm-hmm. you decide what direction you're gonna go in and then you just you just take over the area as far as the clickers and the monsters. It's not, it's, it has like the Ubisoft formula of taking over like sections of the map kind of thing. Yeah, but what else could it be? I don't know. Because they're, aside from that, they could have like your skirmish type of thing and your hordes, right? Like PvP, real quick, let's just get into it. Then you got your Kind of like Destiny. Destiny kind of has that. Yeah, like you raids have, and... And then you have... Uh, you can go in the direction of um, Uncharted. The thing is, they have experience with Uncharted, right? Mm-hmm. And that has a lot of uh, like very small contained games. Like take take this artifact, you know, and take yeah. it across the map. That would be like a cure or whatever. Sure. Or um, King of the Hill. So with the little stuff, it's not like they don't have experience because they already made Uncharted. And the first factions. Yeah. So what they were going for is like an open world thing, and that's I guess where they're. they're that sounds the good. Ball. That sounds like it'd be good. I just hope there's some kind of overarching narrative that like, what is our motivation? Even in a multiplayer game, we need to have some yeah. kind of motivation. Are you just grinding for loot, or do you have like base camps we're trying to improve, like environment, like like some kind of base camp? Hey, our water filtration system is broken. Go out and scavenge parts for it. And it's like, oh, somebody else wants that water filtration system. Now we got to fight over it. Like, you know what I mean? That's okay. That's that's not so bad. You know what I do want though? Uh when it comes to the seasonal updates to the maps, I want to see um let's say uh let's say you're in Texas. Every time there's a map update, oh, you get closer to California. 
That's what I want to see. Like expanding westward? Yeah. What, I is, what is this, Horizon or Forbidden West? Or... <laughs> yeah, so, actually, yeah, something like that. I don't want to see just like, oh, here's a random city or whatever. Well, isn't the game set in San Francisco? Well, that's what I mean. Oh, you're saying because Last of Us, I mean... uh No, we saw the concept art for factions with the Golden Gate Bridge in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's already, it's already on the West Coast. Yeah, but I thought that was your reference to Horizons. Because Horizon takes place in... Oh, no, 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 yeah, yeah. No, they showed us concept art for The Last of Us, or the factions, where yeah. they show the Golden Gate Bridge in the background already. Yeah, so I want to say, like, you're in some place of the U.S., and then you gradually move to, like, major cities, but you have to get to San Francisco. And then after that... I think they would start the... If anything, they would probably move somewhere else. They already The game already starts in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Well, where, where would you want it to go? I don't know. Further down... Go to I San Francisco. Go to LA. Go to San yeah, Diego. Yeah, but I, last of, I'm sorry. Forbidden West is already doing that with Burning Shores. They already are heading south to LA to Hollywood. I don't... But it's a, it looks totally different. I know, but I don't want to get into the same thing. When I head north, head north. Go to Oregon. I don't know. What's in Oregon? I don't know. Some uh, The Space Needle, right? Oh, that's Seattle, Washington. That's... Okay, that's before or after Oregon. Oh, wait, no. The game more... Oh, I'm sorry. The Last of Us Part Two already takes place in Seattle. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I don't need them to go anywhere. Maybe you can head towards Vegas. No, Horizon already did that. Well, they're already in Catalina, right? Doesn't matter. So Doesn't they, they would have tied up with the main game. They have to sure. tie it up. Head across the ocean to Catalina. So they're in Catalina. Yeah. They're what if that's like the final game update? And it's like it's like you run into Abby as the final game update for the last for the faction. Well, game. the timing isn't gonna work out. When does it sit? When does it take place again? When? Yeah. Like factions. The... Where in the timeline does it take place? Do they remember? Uh, I don't know. Do they mention the timeline? Oh, but it's not gonna. It's not going to line with the main game. Okay. Or what if it's like a prequel to two and like... Yeah, yeah. Okay. You are the guys that Abby's looking for to begin with in Catalina. Or like the Fireflies, right? She's looking for the Fireflies in Catalina. I get that. Man, that's blue balls. Okay. Because if if I'm looking for uh, the Firefly... Wait. Abby's against the Fireflies, right? No. She wants to hook up with them. She used to be a Firefly. Yeah, but then what was that other team that she found in... The Wolf. The WLF. Okay, the, the WLF. Liberation the, okay, so they were trying to take out Abby. Yes. All right, cool. I don't like that because it would always be, be blue balls if um with the the wolf. Uh, what do you call it? The Washington Liberation Front. WLF. Yeah. Okay. If I'm the WLF, I couldn't fucking stand going through the fucking city, and every time in my sniper, I'm like, "There's Abby," and I shoot, and I always miss, and I'm like, "Why? Why?" Are you thinking of the Seraphites? Are you thinking of the Seraphites? No, not the Seraphites. Oh, okay. Because those are the ones who are sniping, I think, aren't they? No. With the bows? I'm just okay. saying I would get blue balls aiming at Abby, and oh. I can never take her out. Got you, got you, got you. Okay. Anyways, <sighs> we're getting two in the weeds. All right. Let's take a quick break right here. All right. We're back. I need to get something to drink real quick. Wash my face. Uh Oh, Jeremy, I forgot. We also have a listener mail. We didn't get to it. We were supposed to get to it earlier, but I forgot because that happened. So, uh. Let me find the email uh, again from our boy. I'm assuming it's a guy. I don't know for sure. Uh, Moss Sauce. Frequent. He technically our third rotating chair, I guess you can refer to him that way. Uh, here we go. So Moss Sauce wrote to us uh, this past week. says, hey guys, it's Moss Sauce again. Catching up on episodes. And I found it weird that only one of the Mario Brothers games made it onto the GQ Top 100 list. Which would you rather have on the list, and how do you guys rank the original Mario Brothers trilogy on NES? Keep doing what you guys do. So, thank you, Moss Sauce, uh, for that. 
yeah, I thought that we kind of talked about how that list was really weird, how it was geared way towards uh, more modern games and like hardly anything, anything before like 2000 is on that list. It's not very balanced. It's obviously made by people who were who are younger than us because it it favors modern games more than anything. Uh, I think it was was it Mario Brothers three the one that made it on there, right? I think so. Right, I think that's the one that was that's the one Mario game that was on the list. Um, aside from like Mario Kart and Smash was it three, are you sure? Yeah, because I remember because I remember I said it would it came out the year I was born, which was nineteen ninety. Because over Mario three, I would put a uh, Mario one sixty four. No, the or- he's talking about the original like N- Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, okay. That was the one from that trilogy: Mario Brothers one, Mario Brothers two, Mario Brothers three. Three uh-huh. was the only one that made it on that list. I don't know. If, I don't know if N sixty four one was on the list. I don't remember. But he's referring to. Okay, I think like why isn't Mario Brothers one on there or? Or what? Oh no, it was it was on there, wasn't it? Was well, the, well, the thing that is a GQ list didn't have like a specific criteria. It was just like, oh, I like this game, I like this game. It wasn't like for impact, for groundbreaking. You know, mm-hmm. like what did it change the culture of video games? Did it sell like uh, Grand Theft Auto Five? It's like fuck, this game sh- sold a shitload. But did it really impact the culture of gaming? I, I don't know. I think Mario Bros. Three. If that's the one that's on there, I don't remember now, actually. He says it was. I don't remember. I think Mario Bros. 3 is more... Well, actually, Mario 64 kind of did pioneer what 3D Mario would feel like. Yeah. I don't know. That's a tough one. But his question was... The second part of his question was, how would you rank the trilogy, the NES trilogy, Mario Bros. 1, Mario Bros. 2, Mario Bros. 3? Uh, I'm gonna give you some time to think about it, Johnny. For me, three is the best one. Yeah, off the off the top of that, off right off the bat, three is the best one. I think it's the most. It is by far the most realized vision of Mario Brothers on the Nintendo on the original Nintendo console. It's fine tuned. Uh, it's fine tuned. It looks great compared. To, well, considering what came before it, I think it looks great in retrospect. Uh, it has the most variety in levels as well because like you have you know you have your you have the egyptian like the desert levels with the sun you have the water levels with the giant fish that jumps up at you it's got the more iconic characters uh yeah i guess that's true for the most part you have the um the dope uh airship i love the airship levels Mm -hmm. it has that cool world where like everything is super big and you're small like all the goombas are giant sized for some reason and all the doors and all the blocks are really big, and Mario's just tiny for some reason. The music as well. The music is by. Well, I don't know because Mario Bros. One has. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, so three is by far my favorite of the trilogy, and then for me it's one, and I don't like two that much. I don't really. Two's the two feels weird, and obviously it feels weird because that was not originally a Mario game. That was a reskin game that became Mario Brothers Two over here. It was, it's one of the most common video game facts, but Doki Doki Panic, which is a completely different kind of game. Uh, but it did, it did um, introduce some interesting characters. We got Birdo, that weird pink creature that kind of looks like Yoshi with the big mouth. Yeah, with the eggs. With the eggs spitting out, it lets you play as Toad and 
and uh, Peach for the first time. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. But two for me is not as fun to play. It's the one where you pick up radishes and throw them at the shy guys. And I just don't like that game too much. I don't think it's aged well. I don't think it feels good to play. Uh, I think one is just iconic. And then three is like the apex, the perfection of what one kind of introduced. So mm-hmm. for me, it's three, one, two. I don't know if Johnny disagrees or. I agree. Three, one, two. Do you want to? Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. So uh, thank you, Masas. Thank you for asking. Thank you for uh, catching up on the episode. I think that was like three episodes ago we did the GQ Top 100. That was like three or four episodes ago. Nah, not that many. Well, regardless. Yeah. So he's get, he's getting there. He's getting to he's catching up to the mo- to our to our modern to the present day. So uh, thank you about that for that. Uh, let's go into what we've been playing, Johnny. Would you like to go first? Or you want me to go first? It's up to you. Uh, okay, what's that game? The puzzle game? Humanity! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Humanities. I'm saying it that way because that's how the commercial for the game goes. Oh, okay. They sing, they shout it, they say, Humanity! And he just holds that note. Well, I uh, give it a try. Did a couple levels. I just know this isn't for me. Oh. Yeah, I, I know. You don't want to hear that. I did Because you did play more than I did. I don't know how much more. I, I, I clear the tutorial stage, which kind of introduces, like, here's this mechanic. Like, all right, you got that down? Okay, here's another mechanic. And they kind of keep throwing mechanics at you. But go ahead, Johnny. Why, why is this not for you? I want to hear. Why is it not? Why is, is it, it not? Is the theme going to remain the same? When you say the theme, do you mean, like, the color palette, the aesthetic, the uh, weird the religious the overtone? People, dog. That's it. Yeah. Okay. I imagine. I don't think that would really change. Because <laughs> it's, like, it seems to be the core of the game. It's uh, like if you play Metal Gear Solid, you're like, are we still gonna, is he still going to be sneaking the soldiers I'm like, all the way through? I'm like, yeah, probably. <laughs> Good point. But, yeah, that's a fucking sneaking the soldiers, of course. But for me, it's like, uh, it doesn't sit well with me. It's just a bunch of humans following the dog. I don't know why it had to be humans. I feel like it could have been. I think it's implied that these people have died. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like the afterworld, and you're basically the spirit guide for them to guide them to the next stage of their existence. Yeah. That's what's heavily implied by the. Because it's like the little narration, kind of. There's like this big blue sphere that kind of tells you what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And it's implied that these people are like in limbo, kind of like wandering around. They don't know how to get. They're not they need someone to guide them to the little thing that shoots them up in the sky or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I just thought the theme could have been a little better. I don't know why you're a dog. That's kind of confusing to me. Like shepherd, because it's implied they used to be human before. Yeah, and it's like why he's like why am I this now? Like why am I a dog? Like he, I think he even says like the character you play as like why am I a dog or something like that. Yeah, maybe you were the owner of the dog and the dog went out before you and the dog knows how to get there. Maybe. I don't know how much of a story there is to this game. I know there's like multiple levels and world and stuff, but I don't. I I took a peek at the trophies list because I always do that because I want to see like what's. And like it's implied like minor spoilers that like there is like some kind of entity or boss that you have to face like at the end. So I don't know how that's going to work gameplay wise. But narrative, I imagine that's going to bring a close and that's going to explain the whole story for you doing that thing. So I just would have changed the theme. That's the main thing for me. Okay. I, it could have been uh, the sheep and then the shepherd just guiding them. Sure. And then it gets instead of like some gate. I think it's funnier it's... to have people than, go- than sheep though. Because it's really funny when you just people like a waterfall of people just falling off the ledge to their doom. I don't know why I find that funny. I, I'm just not into it. Like. It also could have been um, like some uh, anthropomorphic like seeds, and they all got little legs. 
Okay. And then you're just a human. And then once you get to the goal, it just grows a big old beautiful tree. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's basically just like Lemmings because Lemmings is a very similar game to this where you're kind of guiding them to not fall off really until like they're supposed to fall off. And then the puzzles themselves, of course, I haven't gone through it much, but it's like, that's it. I'm just going to like change course, change direction. Oh, they get harder later on. Yeah. Someone gets harder. Trickier, yeah. But are the puzzles like, holy shit, like that's intriguing. I... I've, some of the levels have hints because the names of the levels are sometimes hints in themselves. Uh-huh. Like I got to this really hard one. Like the last one I did was this hard one called Loop de Loop or something like that. And what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to direct the human. Okay, so to explain the game, because neither of us have have adequately explained what the game is. You have you're this spirit dog that kind of can move around like this map, this little like uh, I don't know what to call it, maybe like a 200 by 200 foot map kind of thing. You have a stream of... If you guys ever play that pipe game where, like, the ooze is coming out of the pipes, you have to, like, change the pipes to, like, reach the goal. It's kind of like that where you have a stream of people who just come out of a door, this, like, light door of, like, the afterlife, and they just walk straight unless otherwise told not to walk straight. So they just walk straight. If you don't interfere, they kind of... Sometimes they'll bundle up against a wall and they kind of just, like, smack into the wall and just, like, kind of... Not go they, anywhere else. They flood the wall until they eventually fall off the sides. Off the sides, yeah. They eventually get pushed off the sides from just how many people they are. So think of like the zombies from the World War Z, how it's just a stream of people almost like lit fluid like. Yeah. And they'll just fall off a cliff, they'll fall off, but like it's okay if they fall off because you don't get penalized for that. Like they just come back to life again, they come back to the door. So it's like this eternal afterlife thing. As a dog, you're supposed to go around the map placing arrows. And once you place an arrow, though, if the humans come across that arrow, they immediately change in the direction of the arrow. And I think you have unlimited arrows. It seems that way. So you place these arrows, and you want them to le- you want to lead into a specific part of the map that's kind of like this, like elevator of light that takes them up into the sky. Okay. Now there's obstacles. There's like you know there's things you drop off of. There's walls. Uh, later on, it gets a little more complicated where they start adding uh, like barriers that you have to move by getting the people to step on a switch. They have to like step on a enough people have to step on a switch to like look to like raise or lift like a, like a glass barrier or something. And then that will allow you a new avenue of like pushing people through. The thing is they also to not just to clear the level, but to progress through the story, you have to collect these gold tall guys and they're called goldies. There's like these tall gold guys who are placed randomly throughout the map. You have to get your people to come across the goldie so that the goldie joins the group and then get the goldie and the group to the exit in order to register like 100% completion for the level. Mm-hmm. You don't have to get the goldies to clear the level, but if you want to get to the next set of worlds, you do have to have a certain amount of them by the time you get to this next, like, it's like getting the stars in Super Mario 64. You can, like, you don't have to get 100% of them, but you need, you need enough to clear the next threshold. So I don't know if that's like 7 out of 10 or something, but you need to get these very tall individuals. But if you don't do, they don't regenerate like the regular people do. So if a Goldie falls off a cliff, like you lost him for that level, you have to redo the level again. Mm-hmm. But because they're not constantly walking on their own, they don't move until they're prompted by other people. You have time to kind of figure out how to get them to the exit along with the other people. And there's like, so the loop to loop level, which is the last one I did you had to get the people basically to go into a never ending circle where they have an arrow, arrow, 
arrow, arrow, and get them to go in a loop to keep pressure on the two pressure pads mm. that allow you to get to the exit. Mm-hmm. So you have these group of people who are never going to get to the exit. They're kind of just going in the loop-de-loop, which is why the levels call that. So they it, it gets a little more complicated, a little more complex. Um, but I'm, I I think it's fun. I don't really play puzzle games that often other than like Tetris or something like that. So I think it's cool. I'm definitely intrigued by the theme, the narrative of the game because I have no idea. It's, it's like the distracting thing where I have no idea what's going on and that kind of compels me in a way. But, um, yeah, it's on the PlayStation catalog. If you have the PlayStation Plus, you can, uh, the highest tier, you can play it on there. It's included now. Um, I don't think it's a long game. Uh, one of my friends, uh, Tucker over at, uh, Backlog Mantra, he completed the game. I think he took, he said it took him like six, maybe less than that hours. So it's not a long game. I can see this being long if you're not good at puzzles. Cause you're going to sit there and try to figure out like, what's the thing I'm missing or what's the thing I need to do to hit all the switches to get to the exit so yeah it i'm enjoying it uh i kind of just took a break after the completing the first world because i you know well we got street fighter 6 right after that uh johnny you haven't you haven't played it yet but i know when i came in here you had it like installing and stuff and changing the language and we'll get into that one right now uh the other game i tried oh i'm sorry i forgot it was your turn yeah go ahead no it's cool you're right uh, the other game was Grid Legends. It's the racing game. Mm, okay. So I haven't played enough of it. I played a few rounds, but first impressions are actually pretty good because I've been great craving that Grand, that not the Grand Turismo. Uh, Grand Turismo is great, but it's a simulator. I've wanted a racing game that's an arcade, arcade game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and the itch that I have from Need for Speed, playing the new Need for Speeds, they just don't do it for me. It just feels so. Um, so I feel so, boxed so you, in. Okay, like, it doesn't feel organic. The city doesn't feel natural. Like everything feels like, oh, there's <laughs> fucking arrows here. Like, is this an underground race or not? Or is it sanctioned? If it's underground, why are the, all these like arrows here and shit? Right? Okay. It, it just feels weird. This very, feels very, like artificial. Uh, yeah, artificial. Okay. Grid Legends is is dope because it's arcadey, but it doesn't have like these artificial things. Like everything. Take whichever path it's not whatever path like you're still oh. doing a race and you, you see the arrows and everything okay. but you know that's what you're getting into it doesn't pose as something it isn't you know mm-hmm. and it starts off real cool because there's a story of course mm-hmm. but it starts off with like all this car wreck on the side and your car you're about to start you don't know what what's going on you just see an accident and it's going everything is happening in slow motion and you got this uh, I forget, it's not a formula car but it's a super high end car uh, I think it's a Toyota. I forgot the name, but right after the crash, you're still in slow mo, and you're like, "Oh shit, this is this is kind of intense." And then it lets you take over, and you're in the middle of like this, this very fast paced uh, race, mm-hmm. and you gotta you gotta get a good placement. And then the the point the point of the story is like there's there's a there's a group. Oh, so there's like a story. Yeah, and the story is isn't bad it's it's fine so what i what i what i gathered so far is that there's a group you have a racer and the racer isn't performing so the uh, racer takes off and now you're there to fill that new position okay so you become part of that company right Mm -hmm. and they're kind of they say they're experimenting with what type of racer and what type of car and etc right but it's all live action which is pretty cool because 
there hasn't been a game where they have live action where it doesn't feel corny. I was about to say there has been, but they, they said the qualifier corny. I'm like, oh, never mind. Yeah, like because Need for Speed had that. That feels like, so fucking corny. It's like it feels it, terrible. It feels like that Steve Buscemi meme of the "How's it going, young people?" Or like the yeah, yeah, yeah. the "How's it going, my fellow youth?" or whatever. Like it's like so like people don't talk like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this feels uh like the guy is. It has a team, right? Okay. But it feels like, oh, this, this, uh, the quality of this feels not like ultra high end, but it feels all right. Like mm-hmm. the quality is good. Um, that's that's kind of where I'm at on it. But it feels solid. Like the racing feels very good. It feels accurate. Um, there's a little bit of drifting. The speed, it feels like a need for speed where you very very much feel like. Uh, when you press down on 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 the gas, it's very responsive. It doesn't feel like you're constantly on ice, like the crew. I can't fucking stand the crew. And well, that's it. Okay. So, All right. Uh, Street Fighter. Great Legends. Is that on the PlayStation Plus catalog? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I think I saw it on there. So okay. Um. Yeah. So yeah, Street Fighter Six came out literally just yesterday. I put uh, I was funny story. I was going to go watch uh, the new Spider-Man uh, across the Spider-Verse movie, but then I was like, "No, nah, we we have a we have the pod tomorrow. Like, I need to play Street Fighter Six. I after work, I went straight home to uh, play Street Fighter Six. I put about five hours into it yesterday. I put one hour into it this morning. Um, this is a fantastically well-made game. I long time listeners will know i'm not the fighting guy i'm not the fighting game guy yeah call me by surprise johnny's more of the with his mortal Kombat. he's more that kind of the only fighting game i ever liked in my life is marvel vs. capcom 2 and that's because mostly because it's marvel and because it's capcom characters put together but street fighter 6 is not just gorgeous in motion it's it has like this cool like paint aesthetic which you i'm sure you've already seen already like the like the wet liquid paint kind of thing going on with some of the moves it's very artsy, very, very um, aesthetically pleasing. Even some of the still shots, like they have like, okay, so let me get into it. There's three primary modes of the game. You have your world tour mode, which I put about two hours into. That's your like create your character, run into, go around this open world, fu- just randomly fighting random civilians, challenging them to fights. And it has like RPG-ish. It feels like if you ever play a Yakuza game, it, fl- it feels a lot like that. Where you're running around picking fights with random people. And then you get rewarded money. You use that money to buy new gear, which is like clothing. And like some of the clothing is just for looks. And some of it actually has like stat benefits. You have like a skill tree where every time you level up after a fight or every few fights. You have a skill tree where you can put like, okay, now I want to... All my punches now do like 5% more damage or stuff like that. All this stuff is only for this mode. It doesn't trans- translate to like the arcade mode or any of this stuff. It's just for this self-contained like... It's almost like a separate game just tacked on. But it's really cool. You you can go... After you create your character, you run around... You introduce your first of the legacy Street Fighter characters who is Luke. He's like one of the main characters from like one of the other games. And you, you learn his moveset. You can like... You have... The, slots of abilities you can take from other fighters from the main street fighter cast you can like find them in the game in the in the story mode and then you apprentice yourself to them and now you can learn their moves by fighting under their style long enough so that's cool so my character is this a generic character that i make kind of looks like me with short hair chubby face 
I try to make myself as close as close as I could. Can you make them look okay? Continue. I want to get back into character creator. Sure. Uh, so I can walk. So you start off. Luke is kind of like you. You have his style by default, which is much more like a military boxing kind of style. And then I'm at the part where I meet Chun Li, and now I've apprenticed myself to Chun Li. You can switch your style. So now, like, it's funny though because my guy is a male character. But now his all his movements are like Chun Li, so very feminine, like with his hand on his hip, like his idol pose, and kind of like wiggle side to side, and like very kind of like like legs stretched out in front of you with your hands, kind of like kind of I don't know I don't know how to explain it over praying, audio. Praying mantis. Kind of, it's sort of like a praying mantis, but it hurts more like wushu kung fu kind of, but like the idol animations, like the kicks and the punches are very feminine. I don't know how to describe it exactly, but it looks so off. But it's funny because you're trying to master her style, so like. As you fight more people using Chun Li's style, you'll start to get these slots where you can throw in Chun Li's abilities. So, like when she does the upside down like spin kick thing, where she goes like on a handstand and then she spins with her legs outward, like you can learn that move if you fight at, under her style long enough. But the cool thing is, if you you can mix and match different specials from different characters to make like your own set of custom abilities. So you can do like Chun Li's spin kick thing, and then also if you wanted to do like a Hadouken kind of thing, but you have to like apprentice yourself to Ryu and like put a certain amount of time fighting in his style. So you have to study, which is really just fighting against randos under that character to absorb kind of like through osmosis absorb their abilities, and then allow you to basically adopt that as like your new fighting style. That is a very unique. That is, I've never seen a skill tree executed in that way where you have to play as their style to to adopt more moves yeah that seems very unique yeah it's cool what i like what i like is like you think like oh this is just a separate mode but what it's actually doing is getting you used to how those moves work for when you do go to arcade or you go to play online like you already have some experience of a little bit of everybody like you know how these characters move because you're not just adopting like their special moves you're adopting their their, their stances their distance their poses their uh Sort of like, um, because for example, like Zangief is a, he's kind of slow, but he hits hard. His attacks are very hard. He's a big, muscly guy. So his moves are like, they kind of telegraph a little bit. Like you can like almost anticipate when he's going to do like a move or whatever, because he's just a lumbering mountain of muscle. But like, if you play, if you play against him long enough or you play like him enough, you know, now the weaknesses of that style. So when you, you know, because your character doesn't transfer to other modes, but you're passively learning these abilities that, in, that intrinsically do transfer over. It's like a, it's like a cross skill kind of in a way. So you're playing these modes. Like I played enough against Luke and Chun Li now, where when I went to arcade mode as Cammy, I knew how they function. I knew what which attack would function as which attack would come after based off the combo kind of. So it's like a fun RPG-ish kind of mechanic where you're kind of just going around just fighting random people. There's a storyline. There's actually a storyline, but I'm still too early. I'm only like on chapter three. Uh, I don't know how long the storyline is, but like there is like um, you're basically seeking out the main Street Fighter kind of crew, but like there's like this shadowy organization in the background, and you're kind of like it's very fast and furious in a way, <laughs> kind of like you're like trying to get all the, like trying to get the crew together, figure out like they're it, it's 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 fun. I'm enjoying it. Um, but yeah, you can buy, you can use the money. And then certain people have, like, ra- the randos you fight have, like, different objectives where, like, let's say you see, like, this guy on the corner of the street. You can go over there and, like, examine him and it'll tell you, like, oh, 
like if you can beat him in this amount of time, like you'll get like this new hat. Oh, if you can beat them using this diff- th- these many different moves throughout the fight, then you get extra mo- bu- money at the end. So like you'll fight different people, but like there's incentives to fight them in a specific kind of way so you can get more gear or like more upgrades and stuff. So it's a really cool like feedback system of getting new gear to make and then you can see like someone's level like if they're like way above you, they they make for like a more interesting fight, but they also you gain way more money out of fighting them and stuff. Yeah. So it's really cool. It, it's 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 definitely, I think, interesting on its own. What I love about this game is, like, Capcom's on a roll. Like, they could have done the bare minimum. They could have just had, like, arcade mode online, and very few people would have complained. Like, that's like that's it. There's, like, three different. There's a world tour, which is basically what I just described, like, this weird story. Then you have, um, I forget what it's called, something ground. I don't know if it's ground training or ground combat. Ground something. And that's where you do the practice drills. That's where you master, they have character guides, so it's like, this is how this Street Fighter character fights. Here's all their special moves. Practice all the special moves. And then we'll teach you how to string the combos together. Once we teach you how to string the combos together, we'll teach you when to use these moves in what situation. And it's like it's very, it's very thorough. It's very thorough. They explain exactly how every mechanic of the game works for every particular character on the roster. They also have uh, that's where you can go have like your one-on-one fights. They have like these group fights, which are weird, where it's like a bunch of you guys on one side face off against another group of people on the other side, and it's kind of the best of you know, best of each outcome kind of like stacked up. So like you'll fight, you'll fight like a, everybody on the roster or whatever, and then so your friends will fight one everybody else on the roster like at different times, and it's basically like the best of this many rounds or kind of thing, which is kind of interesting. That I don't know if other, I don't again I don't know if other fighting games have done that, but this is like new to me, so I thought that was kind of cool. There is the individual arcade mode where you can where you choose one of the Street Fighter characters and like they will have a story, quote unquote, of like there's cutscenes between matches and you just fight like six or seven of the other characters. And then like at the end you have like a resolution for your character's story. And it'll be a unique it's like more combat where you have, you know, you go through the campaign like a not the campaign story, but like an individual person's little minuet or like little arcade story. Where it's like, uh, so, it's more like um, like Tekken. Yeah, like Tekken. So like, I did Cammy because you know Cammy's my girl. So I did Cammy. Uh, after I practiced enough, I did the arcade mode and I got through it pretty easily, even on normal, because I put, spent so much time with Cammy. And it was kind of like, oh, like I'm looking for the remnants of this organization that used to control me. And then by the end of the story, it's like not exactly resolved, but like she's content with what happened. And then, like, the credits roll for that, her, her. And now it's like, okay, you got all of this, like, concept art for Cammy, like, all this extra, like, little unlockables because you completed the story as Cammy. And it's like, okay, now do it with another character and go do that. And, like, so there's, like, little bits that are revealed. Um, there is a section where you can play older arcade cabinet style Street Fighter games, which is kind of cool. I think there's some other Capcom ones, but I haven't seen yet because I haven't created my Capcom. You have to make a Capcom account or whatever. And I just, it's just, whenever a game asks me, like, hey, do you want to make an account? I'm like, nope, I just skip it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to sign up for this thing or whatever. But there's stuff like that. Um, I think I, did I mentioned the combat trials already or no? I think so. Okay. I, I think it's, um I think what the game is doing is kind of just trying to catch up to Mortal Kombat. Because Mortal Kombat Maybe. for the longest time has things. Well, okay. Well, online, mm-hmm. all the games have had that, right? And then story, I don't know that. Street Fighter really had a heavy story, at least not to the degree of Mortal Kombat. 
And then there's a... I think they had, like, individual stories. It wasn't really, like, a uh, overall, like, rolling story. Yeah, I think we gotta give credit to Tekken for that. Because Tekken, for me, it was one of the first ones where you beat the game with a character. And then you get, like, a super, like, beefy story about the character of, of one character at the end. Okay. Of a personal story. And then Mortal Kombat also has the towers, you know? It's yeah, not, it's not just online multiplayer and a story. They have towers that we could like go through levels of. Difficulty. I remember that. Yeah. So it seems like that's where they what they're leaning into. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just in a different direction. But sure. It, but it seems it seems legit. Yeah, I mean, most well, mostly what this game has that I really like is aesthetic, art style, and basically just how. So like they have modern modern controls, which kind of close the skill gap a bit. Um, instead of do it, for example, for Cammy, her like signature move is spiral arrow, which is like she like she, she like kind of turns into like a drill sort of at you. She like drills her legs at you. It's just triangle button here if you want to do it that way. If you want to do a classic, it's like down, down left diagonal, and then left and triangle together to do that. Here it's just triangle as a default. So modern controls let you do like the special moves without doing all the inputs. But also, it kind of locks you out of using their full arsenal because, for example, on old school Street Fighter, you would have like square is is like your your weak your your quick punch, light punch, triangle is mid punch, and then R one is like heavy punch, and then X is light kick, circle is medium kick, and then R two is heavy kick. Right. So think of it as like three diagonal. Right. That's how it is. That's how it works. Three on top for your different punches and your different kicks, right? But across the face buttons and the art and the shoulder buttons. Here with modern, you can do you can do classic or modern. Modern locks you out of some of the unnecessary hits. So now you just have like light punch, medium kick, heavy kick, and the triangle now does the spiral, the special move. So it kind of dumbs it down in a way where it's a way more accessible, but you're not gonna have the full range of motion of all the abilities that you normally would have. So it's kind of, I would compare it to learning how to drive automatic compared to manual. That's like the best way to explain it. So it it it, it really kind of dumbs it down, makes it way more accessible, which I think is really cool. But if you're someone who plays like the, you've been playing Street Fighter all your life, you can still choose classic and you'll still be like, you're going to have the full master, the full roster of attacks. You're going to have the full mastery of the character. You know what I'm saying? So... Modern is a good fit for someone like me who's not so... I don't have the reflexes of like a 20-year-old anymore for fighting games. Like I, I'm just not that way. I'm not built that way. I don't have the... I, I, I played for like... I told you, I played like maybe five hours yesterday. My hands were cramped at the end. Like when I went to bed last, last night, my hands were cramped. This morning, they're a little sore, but not so much. But that's because I'm not, I'm not acclimated to fighting games for so much. So... I think it also has to do with you playing in normal mode arcade mode arcade mode is normal uh world tour i don't think has a difficulty setting the arcade mode i chose normal because again i always play everything on normal yeah but i think like you're saying oh it's an age thing like sure but if you're playing normal mode that's just it's not the bare minimum but you're not you're not like hyper aware of every little action that counts yeah i mean i've only played the game for one day so i'm not i'm not there yet like but i think that applies to the other games as well like if you put them in the hardest mode you're like there's no room for fucking error in the, in the most sure. difficult mode. And this is kind of giving you like a, uh, like you're fighting with a hand behind your back. That's what if, that's what I think when you play like on easy, on a normal mode. It's not 
it's not optimizing your brain for the game. Right. I mean, I'm gonna try. I I have to work way more on the practice and like the practicing with the dummy, just because like I can do I can do the combos, but like when the guy's not fighting back, it's pretty easy to do the combos, right? They're kind of just soaking up the damage. I have to work my way to like it's like Smash Bros. where you can set the level of the CPU. So normal is like I think four is what the CPU is on normal is for four. Like I can crank it up and see way more of the variety of what can be done physically. Mm-hmm. As I face like harder opponents, I I'm, I just played normal. Like I just got like I said, I got the game yesterday. Of course, I'm gonna put way more time into it because I I really want to get good with 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 Cammy. I really want to get good to the point where like okay, let me go online and see how this fares out. Because I know if I go out online right now, I'm gonna get slaughtered. So you're gonna force yourself with Cammy? There's no other characters where you're like. Hmm, I played this. a little bit of Luke. Uh, he's cool. Luke Luke feels because each character plays differently. Like Cammy's hits individually are weak. It's her ability to stretch. She's the fast, nimble kind of like the combo. She she benefits the most from using combos because combos are how she does the majority of her damage. Whereas someone with a Zangief, you can do a lot of damage with less hits. But because Zangief is not designed, he's not built for combo. He's a big muscle brute. So like he's a little slower and less agile. But so like there's different fighting styles. Each character has, I think Ryu is probably the most well-rounded, I think. He's a mixture of brute and speed and kind of a little bit of everything. I'm going to go ahead. And each character has like a specific uh, build or archetype, if you want to call it that. I'm going to have a difficult time choosing a character because I just downloaded the game. I, I just started it. But it's going to come down to Kami, Chung Li, Ryu, Blanca. I think those are going to be my set of characters where I, where I put my focus. Mm-hmm. And maybe, uh, what's the name? They do with the claws. Vega? Vega. I don't know if Vega's in the game. Uh, yeah, I didn't see him in any of the trailers. I don't know who's in the I mean I didn't even all see the characters the, I saw I are the Blanca. all the characters I saw are the traditional good guys, so I don't know if I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Vega's gonna show up in the game or not. Uh DLC, I guess. I haven't played enough. Maybe they have to unlock them. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's DLC. Maybe, maybe just Vega's to... uh, behind the Shadow Organization. Yeah, he was part of the Shadow Loot or whatever, the old school one, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I was talking to one of my friends, Angel, who said, who was talking about, um, yeah, he was telling me how he doesn't like the modern controls because he grew up with Street Fighter. He's used to the classic. But he was telling me about how, uh, he says the worst thing, the thing that sucks, he's like, I hate when I find a character that I don't like, but I'm good with them. And I'm like, same here. And like, I get that because, like, I'm sure Re, I know Ryu is quote unquote easier to play with than like cammy but i'm like but i like cammy cammy's like the the attitude the the femininity like all the character all the traits about cammy are like what i love like i love that character so like that's why i want to play that character even if it is to my own like disadvantage or to my own like undoing kind of i've noticed uh all the all the creators on youtube are really focusing on cammy more than any other character from what i understand like this is like the best she's ever been in terms of like her ability to like link combos or stuff together but combat and socially oh okay like, what do you mean socially well they love the aesthetic of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so the aesthetic the combat Everybody else has kind of just been in the background. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, some people I've, some people who I talk to like who play a lot of video games, they're talking about how like yeah, Cammy's the main like the one that people are focusing on. But there's people who are focusing on they really like uh, what's her name? The other one, Chung Lee. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Jury, Jury, uh, Jury. Purple. Yeah, Jury. Yeah. 
Oh, you're thinking of the Manon or whatever, right? Manon, Manon. Uh, she's been Kemi versus her in the trailers. I oh, Jury. The jury. girl with the purple suit. Yeah, it's a jury, jury. Okay. Yeah, people are saying jury plays extremely well in this game. But also, some people really like Zangief because he just hits hard and he doesn't require that as much complexity. Because he's just a brute. So I saw people saying like like Zangief is really like the meta. Like he's the one if you want to. If you just care about winning, like Zangief is probably like the best one, the easiest. Kami just happens to be the flashiest and most like, I guess, uh, gratifying to use or something. So uh, Something I just thought about as far as a uh, combat uh in mortal kombat mortal kombat has crypts which i'm like not too fond of like crypts well you go into a crypt oh crypt okay yeah you go into yeah, <laughs> like yeah, bloods yeah. and crypts <laughs> no well you know how it works right you get coins and all this stuff and then you can unlock a crypt a chest whatever okay and then that's how you get a bunch of your loot like a bunch of aesthetics and all that oh, okay but i like how street fighter you actually get to play more and then just unlock the loot that way because mm-hmm. i'd rather just be playing the damn game instead of like walking around a crypt okay so i like that street fighter is focusing on that uh i was gonna ask you about the creator can you think you can make a creator as good as the the regular characters look like can you make somebody look as dope as cammy are the I, options there i don't know that's a good question i think because the core street fighter cast has very exaggerated features mm-hmm uh like, oh i've seen exaggerated like very strong brows very f- strong facial expressions very defined like bodies i think you might be able to but i'm j- i didn't really delve into it that much i kind of just try to make myself sort of but i think i did see online some people had like really outrageous characters they created yeah, yeah i've seen those. but i don't know like like could you make cami from scratch i don't know well, because the clothing options are a bit limited at first. Because I've seen characters online where they're just like, oh, okay, they got big ass arms, skinny uh-huh. ass legs, and they're fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. make no sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I haven't seen a character where I'm like, holy shit, you could create that character, like someone who's aesthetically looks cool or something. Like, can I can I come close to making a Commander Shepard? You know, or oh. or a Tomb Raider? It's ultimately going to come down to the accessories and the clothing, I think. Yeah, there's Because Tomb but... Raider is just Lara Croft, and Lara Croft is just a brunette, really, if you think about it. Nothing really special going on there, I think. Nothing special. Oh, no, you could do that. Yeah, you can do... You can... Accent, was it? Accentuate? Accentuate. Accentuate certain features, for sure. Yeah. I was very barrel-chested, because I forgot to do the thing. You know, you rotate your character. Uh-huh. I just saw them from the front, and it wasn't uh... until I turned sideways, I saw, like, why is my chest so large? Like, oh, I have to reduce the chest definition. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. so you can make multiple characters though, right? Uh, I just have one. Yeah, because it, let, it lets you save and load different avatars. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm, I'm probably just going to make a guy and a girl. Yeah, uh, I just made see, a guy who looks like me. Yeah. Uh, that's what I want to see. Uh, later on, when you when you start playing again, I just want to see that on the DMs. I, cause I'm... I can send it to you right now. I actually took a picture. Oh, okay, yeah, just send it to the chat. It's very plain looking. I showed it to our cousin Brian because he asked me he wanted to see my avatar. I'm like, oh, here it is. Yeah, I love seeing people's avatars, dude. Uh, once I create mine, I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to you guys. All right. Uh, what is something that you don't like in the game? Uh, I don't know if there's anything I don't like in the game so far. I I don't know if it's if there's something I don't like. If it's not just because I haven't found it yet, or I just haven't been savvy enough to find it in the options. Uh, I wish there was subtitles during the fights because sometimes the characters make say certain things and I can't hear what they're saying. Mm-hmm. 
that's not a big issue though. So like for example, when I use Cammy's like her special move, uh, Red Delta something, it's like the one that does in the trailer where she like does like the quick pose and like the the flash, the flourish of blue and red that wraps around her. Okay. She says something and I can't tell what she's saying. She says something, but I can't hear what she's saying. And also, like other characters do special moves, and I can't, I can't make out what they're saying because the music is louder. Can but... you customize an intro too? Intro, like like walking out onto this. Yeah, I... like you can pick somebody's entrance. Like you just take Ryu's entrance. No, I don't think so. So all Not the creative characters are just a generic. Because you just start off the fight like everyone when you like find someone you want to find on the street, you get you do like this arm pose, and the person does it back to you, and then you just go straight into the fight. All right, that feels fleshed out. It doesn't feel like tacked on. The when you're walking around the city. No, yeah, it's it's funny though because I like because some of the people you fight look like they're not they're not they don't look like fighters they're like random people on the street. Yeah, that's a little odd. So there's like a dude in a business suit I go up to and like I challenge him and he's like, yeah, he's like really into it with his like gray suit and tie and everything. He's like trying to fight, and then I got there was like this massively like obese woman character like an NPC with sunglasses and like a like a ball baseball cap and i go up to her like challenge and he's like yeah like she's into it. like oh wow okay she's really she only wants a scrap what <laughs> do you get there is that just for practice uh that's so yeah the like the random like citizens have like different levels but they're the ones i told you like where they have like if you scan them it tells you like oh you like use them without like beat them without getting hit and you get like this reward or whatever oh, okay so they're, like they're just randomly procedurally generated random people on the street like they're just npcs dude they're just yeah but um, yeah, so I'm having a good time with Street Fighter Six. I'm gonna keep playing more. I wanna, I wanna be as well rounded as I can. The only thing I, can, I, the only thing that's hard is because I don't know how everyone plays. Like all the characters, I don't know how to anticipate enemy attacks because I don't know what they all look like yet. So like, in in Cammy's arcade mode, the last person you fight is like kind of like this guy who looks like M Bison, where he has like the same like the psycho power kind of stuff. It's not M. Bison, but it's someone who basically serves like M. Bison kind of. And because I had not fought anybody like him up until that point, when he would use like this psychic attacks, I had no idea how to defend against them because I didn't know where they were coming from. So I'm going to have to, I want to get good. I want to get to the point where I can at least hold my own online. Like I'm pretty good at blocking. I know how to, you know, mid block, low block. I know how to do that. I know how to do anti-air. Like if someone comes at me, I know how to do the spike kind of thing where I knock them out of the air. It's just learning how, learning how to anticipate and when people will start to like you know attack, and that's kind of hard to do against the NPC because I don't know, like I can unleash a combo, but I don't know if they're going to be open enough for me to do another thing, or if now I'm open they're going to take the advantage, they're going to counter, like you know what I mean? I don't get the chess game portion of fighting games, which is how do how does the opponent think? I don't know how that works, so. As I imagine that's going to be something that comes with just practice, just playing and playing and playing and playing until I can tell the tells or the. Because for example, Zangief, like I said, he's slow, but he definitely has a visual like charge up kind of for some of his moves. That like when he spins around with his hands out, mm-hmm. like you do see him like shift his body weight prior, so I know oh block like immediately block 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 until it's over. But I, it's really just a matter of just playing against everybody and really figuring out how they like operate. So. Yeah, so that's all I've been playing so far. Uh, I mentioned humanity. I mentioned, and then um, later later this month we got Final Fantasy sixteen. I wanted to get Diablo four because that comes out next weekend. Yeah, but I know I'm just not gonna have the time between Street Fighter six and Final Fantasy sixteen to give that game the attention, the time. I think that's. A, I don't know how long that game is, but I know it's. 
probably more than 15, 16 hours because it's a long open world. That's short. 12 to 16. No, I know it's more than that. Right. I'm saying I don't know how much, but I know it's more than that. So I know I'm not gonna. I want to play that later in the year when there's like a kind of like a dry spell and they can really give it the time it needs. Because I was thinking, look, just looking at the game, it feels like a 40, 30 hour game. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not gonna be able to squeeze that in between Fantasy 16. So no reason to buy it now. Wait for it to go on sale later at the year mm-hmm. or something, or wait for some kind of discount or a bundle. So. Uh... All right. So I guess that's all we've been playing, Johnny. Any last. Any last thoughts, closing words, words of wisdom? No, this podcast was short. I feel like we're missing something. Mm, that's about it. We're now we're at an hour 47. All right, let's wrap it up. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I have somewhere to be right now in about half an hour. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again, as always, for your listenership. Um, I noticed our best episodes are the ones where, like, they're big tentpole episodes. Like, our the one we mentioned earlier, the GQ Top 100, like, we got a lot of listenership on that one. I think people like, I don't know if people like list or if they just like very specific, catchy, like, event titles. I don't know what it is, but our best ones have always been, like, our reaction to the Game Awards or... The big tentpole video game events, I guess. I don't know how to explain it. So thank you guys for uh, listening to all of that. As always, we appreciate that. If you want to reach us like our friend Moss Sauce did earlier today when he wrote in, you can reach us at DuoSensePodcast at Yahoo.com. Again, that's DuoSensePodcast altogether at Yahoo.com. And, of course, our Twitter, DuoSensep. Uh, you can find us there. I usually post uh, the new episodes when they get when I publish them. They get I usually share the Share the episode on the Twitter on our Twitter account so you can check that out if you're if you don't get like Spotify notifications on your phone or something you can find uh, the latest episode on there usually. Um, next week is June the week of the seventh eighth ninth sort of so yeah I don't know I don't know what news we'll have by then. Will well, the Xbox showcase have been by then? I don't. Well, think what so. I'm trying to do is is I'm hoping we can do a podcast before the thing. So we can maybe kind of get some reviews in. I mean, some uh, predictions in. Oh, for the Xbox showcase thingy? Yeah. Okay. And then and then let the let the showcase pass through. And then right after that, do a second pod. Sure. So maybe, f- I don't know, four days, you know? Yeah, because it's supposed to be the 11th, right? Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. We'll probably have something up. We'll probably record again sometime during this week. Today, Saturday. Yeah, probably Thursday, Friday. And then the yeah. showcase will be over the weekend or on the next following Monday. Not sure which. And then later that week, we'll just, we'll be thinking stuff about that. So, all right, guys. So thank you as always. We will catch you next week. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your weekend and goodbye. Thanks. Peace. I was waiting for the peace.